I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, just me at the top of the show to say a few things about some gigs I've got coming up. So if you're in Melbourne this Saturday, 5.30, so June 4 at Comedy Republic, alive, don't you know who I am? Great guests. It's always good. Come along. It's going to be fun. So that's June 4, so this Saturday. If you're in Sydney, I'm coming up July 10 to do a podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am, plus my comedy festival show from this year called Modern Contemporary, all about how I was 16 and I joined a dance troupe, a professional dance troupe. So that is happening July 10 at The Vanguard. Tickets at joshearl.com.au. That's where you can get the tickets for the other show as well, joshearl.com.au. If you're not in Sydney or Melbourne and you want to help out, keep the lights on, you can always become a Patreon subscriber. Go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. That's patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. Every week, a podcast will go up, whether it's top five or don't you know who I am, over 200 hours of, of entertainment over there. So if you become a subscriber, massive help. So thanks, everyone who's subscribers. Also, a massive help is everyone who's been downloading and sharing and reviewing 100% Hits Volume Pod. Thank you so much. We've been number one three weeks in a row on the on the Apple Podcast music charts. So take that, Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell. Um, so if you can keep, if you haven't reviewed it so far, go go on five stars. Leave a little comment. Helps with the algorithm. Helps people. More people see it. That's all I need to say. Enjoy this episode. Very funny with Guy Montgomery. Uh, go also listen to his podcast, The Worst Idea of All Time, with Tim Bat. They're very funny. Those two, very funny boys. Enough from me. Enjoy this ep, episode four, looking at side B of Compilation 2. Hello, and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me, our first international guest. Well done. It is Guy Montgomery. Yay. Yay. Hey, oh, Guy. man. I can only imagine the revelry that is coursing through the... Uh, the blood of those listening along. Everyone's excited. Everyone is wanting to know how someone from overseas feels about the 100% Hits compilations. Yeah. Well, so far, Josh, <laughs> uh, the, the compilations themselves neutral. The podcast, pretty positive. Oh, that's good. It's good, good. As long as the podcast is positive. Now, we were talking off off air. Well, is it off air? I don't know. Off pod. I know. Yeah. Well, we're a couple of guys. We're going to shoot the breeze. So yeah. kill us. So we say a few things that are just for us. So what? <laughs> That's not what I was saying. I was saying I was getting to you'd never heard of these compilations before. I I mean they were dressed up in various different sort of rappers, I think. Um Was there a we, popular compilation in New Zealand? Well you were most I was mostly running now. Now that's yep. what I call music. Uh and then there were a few like ones that I think local record companies released. Yeah. And they had names like one hundred percent it was like just the hits. Yep. I uh, but now is definitely the sort of the far-reaching uh, franchise, yes. and I mean, you know, it's all it's all like for like. I imagine yep. what will be treated to as a a smattering of popular songs of the era. I would guess probably seventy-ish percent will be international, and then there's always the um, there's some you know, which is actually admirable, especially when you think 
whenever these were being released, it'd be about 30% like local bands struggling to keep up with the standard set by international art, uh, artists. Yes. So, so these were out by EMI. And so there's obviously some of them going, all right, these, this band needs a push in this market. And so yeah. also what we found in the first three episodes is whoever was compiling these compilations, very horny. There's a lot ah, of there's yeah. a lot of sex talk, which more than I thought happened in do the you, early '90s pop music world. Do you think um, the sort? Of, I mean, first of all, dream job. Yep. Like you know, before Spotify and everyone was making playlists. Imagine being the person who's like, uh, I I put the songs together for these. Um, but were you, they, sorry, can I say, were you ever a uh, make a mix CD for a, yeah, for a yeah. love interest? Oh. Uh, do you know, I didn't actually take on any love interests until um, after high school. Yeah. I was not entirely by choice, but largely through inaction. I was making mix CDs, yep. but um, you better believe I was listening to them with the fellas. <laughs> I, Just the boys listening to... Yeah. Well, what kind of music are you into, guy? I know, first time we ever spoke, I think it was about music as well. You asked me if I was into uh, some hip-hop or some EDM music. Um, I, it's so boring. I don't have any specific deep relationship or affinity to one genre. Yeah. I, um, you know, because of streaming, I, I, it it spans pretty much everything. And my listening habits, I've been trying to listen to more albums. We've got a great, um, record player and, you know, we've got, you know, which is a great way to, to force the discipline of listening to albums and experiencing it as, uh, artists intend but yep. largely on like I, I use Spotify and I live in my liked songs and so it basically moves in waves yep. like um, recently I've been listening to a lot of sort of uh, almost down tempo electro music sort of stuff that it, um, it just makes it makes my body feel good and it doesn't generate much thought or like real emotional variance yep. um, but you know, I've also, I've also, I listen, I've gone through, you know, recently I've gone through periods of listening to uh, a lot of funk or old R&B, old soul. Um, I could even run through a handful of my most recently liked songs if you'd, if you'd want me to. And well, we could, only if you feel like it. I mean, it's, I, it don't, I know be, you don't like to share this kind of stuff. I don't know, no, no, I, you know, I'm a very private guy, but I don't mind. Uh, so... I, I mean, and the the terrible thing is, and this is so stupid. I don't know if you do this. I, you know, I've worked hard to serve my um, Spotify algorithm as best I can. Like yep. in our in our house, I do not play Olive, who's my uh, stepdaughter. She's a huge music fan, yeah, and she's got a very far-reaching taste in music. And um, some of it I agree with, and some of it is not to my liking. And so. I will sacrifice Chelsea, my partner's phone. Any requests that don't fit inside of my musical purview, I outsource to the phone. Or get this: I also I pay for YouTube Premium. Oh, and if Olive wants to listen to a song nice. that I don't, that I don't want to be on my YouTube Premium, <laughs> like to be in my YouTube algorithm, I will open up uh, Google Incognito and I will live through the ads to play the songs she wants, so that I don't have it feeding into my. Hey, like it's 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 almost militant the way in which I'm protecting these algorithms. I understand this because I also I am a father and my kids like to listen and take over the Spotify. And I look, for the first 35 years of my life, I really prided myself on what type of music I like and almost to a detriment of anything else that could be interesting about me. I like 
I forego yeah. books. I forego travel yeah, yeah. to buy music and go see bands. Now, then I had kids, and then do you know how Spotify do the end of year playlist? These are the your most. This is this is yeah, of course. My most played song like four years ago was the Power Rangers theme song. This so when everyone's, when everyone's a turning point, like, yeah, yeah, everyone's sharing their oh, this is the bands I listen to. I'm like, well, I've got Power Rangers, I've got Skrillex, which my kids like. And yeah, that this was is, that was it. This is Chelsea's nightmare. Every yeah. year, there's a there's an album we play, which is we should, should sort of phase out historically to to put Olive to sleep. It's like an album by the composer Max Richter. It's called yep. Sleep. Yeah, and he was touring this immersive show where it's like you'd go and sleep to this eight hour, you know, um, movement of of basically boring piano music. Um, Olive still goes to sleep to that. And that is always that is always played through Chelsea's phone. So every year, her Spotify Wrapped features the top ten tracks are always <laughs> always the first ten songs from Max Richter's Sleep album. I love that he toured that as well. As an artist going out and just go, all right, I'm going to try and put my audience to sleep. Yeah, for eight hours. It's yeah. admirable confidence. Um, all right. But so my most recently liked songs. I mean, I don't. This is what I was going to say though. Is I don't know. I I find a song I like it. It takes actual cognizant effort for me to then listen to the whole album or explore the artist beyond the one song, which is so stupid because it's like they made this one song you love. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pretty high chance they managed to get close at least one other time. Well, we're going to talk about that later on. There's a band on this list who has very much a song that people love and then on this one, a song that people are like, oh, that's your follow-up. Okay, but sorry, yeah. I cut you off. No, no, not at all. Uh, so... Recently, we've got a song called Shooting Stars by Stark Reality, which is sort of a jazz number. And that's, and that's saying a lot by Christine Perfect, who would go on to be um, Christine, is it McVie of Fleetwood Mac? Okay. I, I uh, Miss Modular by Stereo Lab. You Never Come Closer by Doris. Uh, Never Too Much by Luther Vandross. Theme from King Heron by the. It's, we're, we're going all over the map here, to be completely yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, Oh, Free in the Knowledge, The Smile. Did you get into that album? That is That's basically the, a new Radiohead album. Yeah, Tom York. And the, is, is the guy an actor who's their lead singer? That's what I heard. Jo- oh, and The Smile. I think so. I don't so. know. Yeah. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I only know two of the three members, which are Johnny Greenwood and Tom York. Yeah, and and it, just, it just sounds like Radiohead, but yeah. it's without the pressure of it being a Radiohead. I album. always feel bad for the other uh, people in the band when two of the people go, let's form a new band and set, make songs that could have been yeah. like Radiohead songs. Yeah, yeah. They're doing anyway. fine. All right, let's get into these songs. We have nine songs. We're doing side B of uh, compilation number two. So last week we did side A with uh, Jess Perkins, Matt Stewart. And Matt even said he wished he did this episode because there was more bangers on this side. Which oh wow yeah I'm, well I'm, I've, I'm, I'm I, intrigued. I've not yet seen either side. So, no. Um, so here we go. The first song is by an artist called Corinna, and the song is called Temptation. And here, let's play a little bit for it. Come up to the chorus now. Here we go. Temptation. 
we go. That's that's Corita Temptation. Could, it's very nineties pop sounding. Yeah, that song uh, screams of being played on a hotel TV while no one pays attention to it. <laughs> well, I'm watching the film clip now, and it is very much uh, a lot of bright colours. She's wearing a kind of blossom-style red pork pie hat. Uh, dudes in the background kind of dancing uh, behind her, doing that kind of running man and then jumping up and down side to side kind of thing. Mm. Uh, also, the artist Corinna, this is her only hit she had. I think it got to number four in the States and then no no more songs after that. But she has stayed in the arts. She played Frida Kahlo in a movie. Um, oh. Yeah, but not not Frida, not that movie. There was another movie yeah, that yeah, had Frida yeah. Kahlo in not, it. Not to the same um, response as Selma Hayek. No, no. I mean, no. you know, this is miscellaneous what you're throwing out here. Yes. This, you know, like... I, I, it's my job right now to be interested in the information you're giving me, and uh, it's a struggle. Well, uh, can I, I'll try and interest you with this then. So that, there's a sound in this song, uh, which is that kind of like, ding, which is a lot in lots of pop songs. Now, a listener of the show brought my attention to this. It's actually Stravinsky, and it's been sampled. So some Australians invented like the sampler, and there's a clip that I put on Twitter. If you go to my Twitter, uh, uh, about a. Uh, 10, 15-minute video about this sound. So this was... Uh, Stravinsky wrote this, like, uh, concerto when he was, like, 25 and used this sound. And this was his his albatross over his neck. Every single time he played a gig, he lived up until 80, people wanted to hear that yeah. song that was from and that bit. And so... And, and even, uh, I think, uh, NWA or, or Public Enemy, I can't remember which one, talked about that song, that sound in one of their songs, so everyone uses that. That's, Don't use that. So I, I love um, Stravinsky's Freebird. Like, I love the idea that this is a, a, a something that has plagued musicians <laughs> and composers for uh, as long as, you know, music's existed. Um, it is, a, it's, it's, th- that song had no uh, defining features or shape to me. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's not really fair because of its time, it might have been doing something different or it might have, you know, stood out in some way. Or maybe it was just a, a garden variety um, pop song. But, yeah. you know, because of... When, what what year are we in? 91. How, how, oh. old's, how old's Guy Montgomery in 91? Uh, it depends on the date, but I'm guessing I'm three. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, so obviously I've, I'm, I'm thinking pretty critically and uh, I'm not suffering fools, Josh. <laughs> but... I just think you know that what what has happened to to pop songs and songs of this ilk between then and now just mean that like so many of these songs um they live in this like background noise space you know I yep. feel like if I made a movie or a TV show set in 1991 that would almost be an affordable way of me uh, advertising the time and place like to to pay for the rights to that song yeah I think for a lot of a lot of the artists on this compilation they're writing to what is popular and that's what yeah. pop music is meant to do but you can tell for some of them like this does not suit you and you yeah you're being forced to do this right so the next band we're going to talk about so do you know the band extreme at all guy montgomery do you know a song called more than words big big ballad very very uh you're you're sort of just grazing across an itch with that song title yeah well you you would know it if you heard it we're not going to hear that song okay we're going to hear their follow-up to it oh great which was Wholehearted. Now, I talked about Extreme on the very first episode, or maybe the second episode, where they were like a a metal funk band and they Mm -hmm. had a hit with a ballad. So people Mm -hmm. would go to their shows, 
to hear this ballad and had to sit through a whole bunch of metal funk. And so they had this song as well, which was also a bit more down-tempo from what they're normally called. It's called Wholehearted, and here it is. Sounds like the opening of Travelling Wilbury's End of the Line. It's a big 12-string guitar. Sounds like a lot of songs. I can actually hear with this. <laughs> so, what you what you're missing out here is a, is a man in bike shorts, a muscle top, and a kind of Anthony Peters style haircut, like low yeah. ponytail. Well, and now, Josh, why don't you tell the people what the singer of the song looks like? <laughs> All right, I, I think we've heard enough of that. That is, uh, that is Wholehearted by Extreme. Now, I, I said I'm only allowed to dislike one song. I don't, look, I don't dislike this song, but I do not like slide guitar in songs. I think it is the worst, the worst instrument, the slide guitar. Wow. And, do you know, people work so hard to learn how to play that. I know, but it's and like... You, and yet you still don't like it. Well, I really like the band Wilco, but yeah. even when they bring out slide guitar, I'm like, just... Play the song properly. Like, like, sounds like you knocking knocking the mic stand. It sucks. <laughs> Sorry, Nels Klein, but get out of the band and just go play something else. I I re- I really enjoyed the start of that song, and I could feel it tape. Like you know, I could feel it. Uh, my enjoyment tapering, but yeah. um, and do you know? I think part of the reason why I enjoyed it, which is possibly it's either a mark of success or the reason why it failed to capture the hearts and minds of their fans is because it did genuinely sound like so many different songs at once to begin with that yeah. I was like, my mind was whizzing with where we were about to go. And then the disappointment was that we didn't go anywhere I knew. We just yeah. went into like a, a mediocre version of, you know, like a, a worse version of whatever song it is I wanted to hear. Well, li- listeners of episode two will know what album that is called, but I, I just want to tell you what the album is. You would never guess it in a, in a million years. A song like that was from the album called Porno Graffiti. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's interesting to think of like, um, these guys are obviously badass. Yeah. And they've got a punk spirit. So it's interesting to think of the like the oral representation of that spirit being what we just heard, which yeah. is like the softest most nothing sort of sound. So a bit of a background. Can you like can you imagine that... in in modern times buying or you know buying the record or CD or like you know being like oh wow porno graffiti I can't wait to hear what this sounds like and just <laughs> you know just like this this the the limpest hands holding a slide guitar. <laughs> well, what happened was they wrote that song because the uh, songwriter he got given a twelve string guitar. And so it was just mucking around on the 12-string guitar. And that's the, the song. That was the first song that came out of it. Um, what, why do they make them with 12 strings? Too many strings. Why do they make basses with five strings? Too many. I'm sorry. Just, just I, use six I, or four. I, I never played a, um, an instrument, pro, you know, truly. And yep. so it's, it's not really my place to have an opinion. But um, I, think, I think 12 is too many. I think five on a bass is fine. No. To me... <laughs> It's just one more. It's to- it's a totally different conversation. A twelve string, you're doubling the number of strings. You're it's you're yeah. building a different machine. 
my 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 wife is a musician as well, and she once wanted to buy me a twelve string guitar because she likes the sound of them. I was like, no, I can barely play six. So <laughs> let's let's just whoa up there. All right, we'll move on. So we've got Kathy Dennis. Now this is another person who's appeared already on on the show. Uh, Kathy Dennis, we all know, songwriter of such hits as Toxic by Britney Spears. Oh. Uh, so this, K- is, this is in her own recording career, these her songs. Her own recording career. So this is Too Many Walls. Too many walls have been built in between us. Too many dreams have been shattered around us. If I seem to give up, I'll still never win. Deep in my heart, I know this strength is Someone changing the locks. Is that? Alright, well, how about we have a little key change now? Come on, Kathy. I feel the strongest uh, sense of connection to this song. You like this song? So far. I like that. I like that vocal melody. I love a key change. Um, Yeah. It didn't sound like they got people to play the actual horns that were in the song there. No, it very, very much like yeah. yeah, they pushed some buttons. Um, and also they had quite a f- they had quite a farty sound to me. Uh, they didn't. <laughs> it wasn't like a full sort of. It it made me feel like maybe I was farting, which oh, is you know, uh, it's it's a it's not necessarily relevant, but it's a curious thought. I um, that felt nice. I could imagine it, that in a movie or a TV. You know, I could see that in a show I'm enjoying. Um, it, it it gave me a sense of feeling and in place. It was a that was a good. That's what I want music to make me feel like inside. I did play the most exciting part of the song, so that was about two minutes into the song. It does take a while to build up to that bit. Yeah, that would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this sounds like she knows that Stock Aiken and Waterman were very popular, and she's written a song to emulate all those kind of like your Kylie Minogue, Rick, uh, Rick Astley yeah. kind of style songs. Uh, but look, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't mind this song. But yeah, I, 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 I think she's done it well. Yeah. And like, you know, it's... Oh, I, I hope I'm not um, retroactively giving the song points because of what I know she went on to achieve. Yeah. But it's a, it's a marker of, you know, uh, genuine ability as a... As a, a, a creator of songs or music that it's like it, it feels like it holds its own well i think to kathy dennis's credit she was always very good at emulating what was popular which also mm. could be a negative thing because then you don't really have what is your own style what is your own sound what is your voice because yeah. in around 96 she released a brit pop album and oh, had wow. uh, members of uh, brit pop bands play in the on on the record as well and so i think if you were a Kathy Dennis fan of her early pop work and then going into the Britpop, you'd go, oh, this is not for me. But then if you were a fan of the Britpop, you'd go, oh, but she's a pop singer. I don't know where she sits in. And that was back in 96 when people really were like, you could only follow one genre of music. It's like, it was either yeah, this yeah. or that. You can't, you don't like, unlike now where you can kind of do whatever. Be more Yeah. It's, uh, it's a difficult thing to do to have to find your voice once you've achieved 
success like you know if you get catapulted and then you still don't have a clear identity of the sort of music you're making it's a much more challenging prospect to have to just to do that yeah you know because especially in that era i mean i even now i guess but it's like as soon as you're successful basically you're working on developing your your audience still but also protecting those who already like it and so yep. if you become successful doing something you're bored of or that you're not sure about or it's just you copying someone and then you're you have to create more i mean for example say you wrote a show all about a cake book that didn't have any swearing and then years later people still want you to talk about cakes and not do anything that their mum might get upset by it. It, I would, mean, it would make you a little bit annoyed. Josh, that is such a far-fetched instance <laughs> that I cannot imagine it having any resonance in the real world. Uh, all right. I, don't even, I, mean, I even know where you're pulling some of these analogies from. It's ridiculous. I'm just riffing, man. I'm just riffing. All right. <laughs> this one. Oh, look, I really like this song. I don't think you'll like this song too. This is a little band called Gangstar, and this is their song, Lovesick. Because I told her I'm busy, she made like a grizzly and started chewing my head off, screaming that I spend more time with friends. And also, she said I ruined her weekend. I said I know the stuff we had planned, but please understand. Right now, I'm lounging with my man. I guess I didn't realize I'd hurt her. She said I had the nerve to just neglect her like that. Then she started bringing up past things and she kept asking. How come our love isn't lasting? I said, hey, baby, please calm down, because I'm still around. I mean, and it's for you that my I don't know anyone who doesn't like Gangsta. I know, it's it's such a kind of classic sound. I actually was listening to this this morning, and my uh, seven-year-old said, that sounds like hip-hop from the 90s. And I'm like, wow, you're very yeah. clever. But he was right. Uh, so I don't really, like, every time I hear Gangsta, I, I like it, but I have never sat down and listened to a whole album which I think yeah. I might do after this. I, I did in my early university days. Um, I still probably only remember the the, the better known songs, but it's yeah. a timeless sound in a way that nothing we've listened to previously feels like it could in good faith be released today. Yeah. If someone put out that song, it would be like, um, well, it's interesting, isn't it? The way that music and everything's criticized because, you know, if someone released a song like that today, people might be like, Oh, it's a it's an ad hoc uh, yeah. copy of a previously popular genre or sound. But to my ears, I'm like, if that was released today, I'd be like, wow, these guys have really captured the same feeling. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it's nice. I mean, you just you know, DJ Premier, he just he knows what he's doing. You put him on a computer, he very rarely releases a turd. Well, do you know the story about their last album, which was released posthumously after Guru? So the members of Guru, DJ Premier, and uh, DJ One Two and it was, B Down. One Two B Down. Is it, this was an album that they, Gangsta released like a couple. Is this a few years ago now? Yeah, J Cole's on it. Uh, a few people doing uh, verses on it um, in the current hip hop. But it was interesting because uh, apparently Guru, in his uh, will, said. I don't want any of my work being released. I don't want uh, DJ Premier getting a hold of it at all. But then it turned out that he's like someone who was his carer or something kind of wrote this while he was in a coma. Um, ah. And it's all, it's all murky. There's a great article uh, about it, which I'll link in the show notes. Uh, all, and it's just this weird kind of thing of like someone trying to protect uh, his work, but also just making up stuff. Like, yeah. It's such a difficult, um, you know, how do you, 
what I mean, what don't you want put out there when you die, and how are you going to block it? Well, yeah, I I don't mind. I've said to my wife, we've talked about this. Cause we had to do our wheel uh, when we had kids and stuff. I said, if I do die, I don't want any comedians. At if my you f- if you die, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Josh. <laughs> How's the level of self confidence <laughs> on this guy with the new podcast? <laughs> when I die, then okay. When I die, thank you. <laughs> But when I die, will. I'm <laughs> yes. making a point of it. I'm I'm super fit guy. I'm not, I'm going to live forever. No, when <laughs> I die, when I die, I don't want any comedians at my funeral doing my bits <laughs> at the wake. That is, like, it's so bad. I don't like when some people go. Oh yeah, we're going to do his jokes. I'm like, no, it's a funeral. Don't no. get up there and do. I uh, I yeah. couldn't disagree more. I've I've told Chelsea at my funeral I want exclusively comedians doing Josh Earl bits, but not Josh Earl because I will not die before him. I actually made a, a very one of many misguided arrangement with um, my podcast co-host Tim Bat from the worst idea of all time, in which we pledged. I don't know how long ago this was. It was before either of us had families, and like you know yeah. everything was just play money. But um, that the first to die the other person with the permission of the parents of the deceased uh, is to perform a full scale comedy central style roast as a eulogy. (laughs) And um, it's interesting because I think if I die first, I don't know that Tim will have the gumption to do it. Yeah. But if Tim does for whatever reason, a tragedy befalls him, I 100% plan on honoring that. (laughs) Uh, There's a great story in, uh, Cash by Johnny Cash, where he talks about uh, a few months before Roy Orbison died, they were at his house and drinking a lot and laughing. And had, they had a bet who could grow the, the longest mullet. They, they called it a Mohican. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Johnny Cash went home, completely forgot about it, didn't see Roy for three months. Roy dies. Johnny Cash goes to the funeral. And it's an open casket and he looks down and Roy Orbison has a massive mullet and Johnny Cash just starts laughing, just going, oh, he, he won. He won he won the bet. <laughs> He'd forgotten all about it. That's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's like, you know, that's the spirit of people living beyond their their, their time on it. You know, that's a spirit is eternal. And yeah. um, you don't know, you don't know how it's going to go. You don't know when it's going to end. But so, you know, I really love that. That's a beautiful anecdote. It is nice. All right, moving on. Our next, our next uh, singer, Amy Grant. Do you know anything about Amy Grant, guy? Have you ever uh, heard Amy Grant? Is the Amy spelled A M Y? Yep. That's one thing I know. <laughs> I don't know anything else. All right. Well, she was a Christian pop singer, uh, and in '91, she had gone out of the uh, kind of Christian pop world into just the regular pop world. Uh, but this song is I called. Love it. I love it when they do that. Yeah, and it's called... do you know what? I also love it when people go the other way. <laughs> oh, you love Kanye's Sunday service and all that kind more of stuff. More than any, more than any of his other stuff. <laughs> that unlistenable heathen, hedonistic horseshit. No, you were telling me off off the pod. You you love his stuff on TMZ where he talks about slavery was a choice. And yeah. I, oh, come on, come <laughs> on. All right, this is every heartbeat by Amy Grant.
sports guy. You're telling me this represents a shift from Christian pop to regular pop? <laughs> yeah, this is regular pop. I feel pop. like I needed maybe one or two more lines to figure out whether or not she was speaking to a hypothetical lover or if it was truly just the most brazen, like, I would say she made zero adjustments between the two <laughs> pop personas. I think she was she was being subtle and trying to get them in. And then when they get to I'm, the she, get she to the Lock the, the doors, everyone. Yeah, Let's talk yeah. about the body of Jesus Christ. She had me on the edge of my seat. Because I was like, initially I was like, well, you know, it's interesting. She's still using sort of um, biblical words. So it's fascinating here in this fresh new sort of context of just like a maybe an unweird love song. But then yeah. the more that she stuck with the words, I was like, oh, we haven't changed at all. <laughs> no. I, I listened to this and I think this could have been the uh, like the music for the credits of any 90s sitcom, your step-by-steps, your family matters. Yeah. Like even every heartbeat sounds like it was, was a show. Like yeah. maybe it was like two doctors or something yes, like that. It was I like, like it. Yeah, I like a cardiologist. It. And uh, do you know what happened? It was two doctors who worked in the emergency department and um, they had to work. They, they worked, they, they met on the job. They fell in love. They still work together. And, uh, a young family who had been in a car accident late at night come in and the, both the parents sadly don't make it. They die on the operating table and they are infertile and they adopt in a very untraditional move. They adopt the two children and um, raise them. And it's called every, and it's about them, you know, raising this adoptive family and uh, trying to forge their own identity as parents and, and, you know, and a unit while still honoring the memory of, of the real parents. It's, that, um, it was a pretty controversial show. Actually, it asked a lot of, Moral questions. That is because the other thing I thought was it could be like someone comes in the operator and they have a heart replacement, and Ah, then and then the person whose heart, person who died, and the heart goes into the new person. The widow falls in love with the new heart, the new person. I do, but they don't know. They don't like we know as an audience, but they don't know. Yeah, I like that. Um, like sort of sci-fi bent where it's like uh people's you know we're talking we're talking a lot about death actually aren't we in the spirit yeah people and stuff but um where people's you know organs or their their spirit is imbued in whatever is passed on to the next person you know and it's yeah. like so much of this person was uh contained in their heart that when it was put into an, you know like the voice is different the vessel's different but you know There'll be, and there'll be moments, you can imagine the moments on the show when the, the partner who's in love with this new person with their old partner's heart is like, yeah, it's the funniest thing. The way you said that reminded me so much of Sean. <laughs> yes. And then when they're having some contract disputes, the actors, and one of them wants, I want more, and they kill them off. They kill them off and then the heart goes into another person and then they oh, can wow. have three more series of these two people falling in love. Oh, wow. You know what? You built something beautiful and you ruined it. It's oh. um, it's gone too far. It's gone into telenovela, sort of bold and the beautiful. It's actually what you've done is kind of gross, and it's disrespectful to the original franchise, which I thought was a beautiful exploration of what it is to love and whether or not eternal love can exist. Um, All right, actually, let's play the closing credits. It's really created by Gummer Gummer and Josh Earl, starring. <laughs> it's nasty what you've done, Josh. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, moving on. Uh, now, you mentioned they always chuck a couple of Australian acts on, mm-hmm. on these ones. So this is the Australian act on uh, this one. This is a band called The Divinals. Do you know about The Divinals guy? You might be too young. I don't, but it's a clever name. You might know uh, the song I Touch Myself. It's been used in, in stuff I like Wayne's World. Hell. Yeah. That's huge. it. Yep. So Chris Amphlett. Uh, so this is their song, I'm On Your Side. Uh, this was the follow-up to I Touch Myself, which was a huge hit uh, mm. worldwide. This song is called I'm On Your Side. Remember how we kissed the first time in the dark. Your lips were on my lips, your heart was on my heart. Last night when you went to sleep, you turned your face to the wall. If you put your faith in me, I get you Yes, guy. Again, uh, it's not fair because I know what I know that voice from and I know what I want that song to sound like. And it's infuriating to me that they, I mean, and it's entirely within their creative license and it's not really my business, but um, they shouldn't have done that. Well, I really like the Divinals uh, and. I like Chrissy Amphlett. I think she's got one of the best voices in rock music. Absolutely. And this song, uh, Randy Jackson from American Idol is playing the bass on it. Wow. Yeah. So because of I Touch Myself, they went over there. You can imagine making, them yeah. playing it <laughs> Hi, and then halfway yeah. through going, yeah, it's a yes for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Chris Amphlett and Mark McEntee were the two uh, main people in the Divinals. They're the people who were in it the entire time the Divinals went. And so this is the only song that they had not written themselves on this album that it came from. It's, the album is actually called Divinals. Uh, D-I is lowercase, vinyls all capital. Just so you know, we're talking yeah. music. Okay? <laughs> the Beatles should have done that. Beat, Les. Like, yeah. so, uh, but um, this song was written by two men, Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg, who also wrote I Touch Myself. So oh. they co-wrote that with Chrissy Amphlett and Mark McEntee. So... These guys had, all right, this is, this is what we want from this band. So we want them to be kind of like seductive, sultry, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And a little bit, you know, a little bit too naughty because they, uh, I touched myself, even though it was a massive hit, couldn't be played on uh, certain radio in America. They were at a live gig where they were told, this is in Texas, if you play that song, we're going to pull the power. They played it, the power got pulled. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. But that was, that was all ballady and like uh yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the light fun that i associate with i touch my and, and the divinals you know i actually call them the um die vinyls <laughs> in honor of princess die <laughs> i and i yeah i i just didn't like it didn't i'm sorry like it. it's That's not and right. it, it's do you know why though it's not a fair judgment because it's because the place from which i'm judging it is um 
the vantage point is so much higher because yep. what I hoped for it was so much greater than something I don't know anything about. It's like I wanted to like that. I, I highly recommend going back in their back catalogue, especially early '80s stuff. Very, very good, very good mm. band. All the boys in town. Very good song. All right. All the All boys right. in town. Yeah. I do like songs about boys being in town. Boys, boys, boys. I could I could put put it as the second song on my playlist about the boys being in town. <laughs> now, speaking of the boys, these these are some boys that you would know very okay. well. This is a little band called Crowded House. New Zealand's own. New Zealand's own. Well, half shut, New Zealand. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> is, I'm with you. I always I feel bad because Australia's like that they're Australian band. New Zealand's like, they're a New Zealand band. I'm like, well, all the songwriting's coming from New Zealand. It's like, Paul Hester, who's the other guy? The Seymour guy? Nick Seymour? I think he's he's in it. But, you know, Neil Finn is is the mastermind of this band. That's uh, right. And this is the song, Fall at Your Feet. Oh. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> And I feel like I'm moving inside her Lying in the dark And I think that I'm beginning to know her Let it go I'll be there when you call And whenever I This would legitimately be one of my Desert Island uh, disc tracks. It's like it is just one of the most uh, beautiful songs. It I've is ever, so good. I've ever heard, and it, it never ever fails to grab me by the short and curlies. As soon as that opening kicks in, I'm just like, it's 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 total immersion. What I feel though, because it's on this compilation, as we know, this is a horny compilation. I'm reading too much into those opening lines of "I'm moving inside her," "I've yeah. got to let it go," which. Is- I think means ejaculate. <laughs> Disgusting. Who would do that? And, yeah, I've got now, evidence that you've done it <laughs> at least once. Twice. Yes. Uh, now, I love Crowd House. Crowd House were the first band that my brother got me into. As oh, in, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he wasn't really into music. They held a special music. place. Yeah, he wow. wasn't really into music that much. He liked, he liked some, like, the kind of bands he was into was Crowd House, Midnight Oil, Hundreds of collectors, like just your typical Aussie bands that people kind of loved. And, and even one New Zealand band. And one half New Zealand band. Uh, so, oh, this is a fact I found out. Neil, not his real name. It's it's a shortening. What do you think his real name is? Neil with two L's? Cornelius. <laughs> wow. Cornelius I was... Finn. I can see why he changed that. I like the name Cornelius. I think you should go with it. The Neil, the Neil is a better fit. Yeah, but as I because the, so, the, the 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 N and Neil fits with Finn, whereas Cornelius, the N in the middle gets buried. It's all about the core the and core. the ears. Corius, cor- basically, yeah. is what you're dealing with there. But I remember 
so when they, uh, I think it was 96, they did their massive big shows where they were kind of, we're no longer a band. And um, my brother had the best of Crater House and he also had their live at the Opera House VHS tape. And I remember watching it one day, my parents were having a barbecue, we had, yeah. they had friends, aunties around, and we were in the lounge room watching Crowded House live at the Opera House on the steps. And uh, not my auntie, but a woman who I've known my entire life walked in and went, oh, not this band. These guys fucking suck. <laughs> if they were playing at the end of my driveway, I would get up and close the cu- and shut the curtains. I'm like, what is going <laughs> like?" I'm 13. I'm like, what are you doing? No, I'm 15. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was just like, come on, come on, Debbie. She, have you spoken with Debbie about this in the intervening years? I've never spoken to her about this. I do know that not to put Crowded House on. She's she's more of your ACDC kind of uh, listening. Surely you've got to dig that back up. That's there's a there's a much um, deeper and richer story beneath that than just a woman who doesn't like a band. They have wronged her in some way. I don't know how you can't like Crowded House. I, I, I jokingly said last time they're the basil of the music world, which is like everyone likes them. Yeah. And like, um, just because something's ubiquitous, it doesn't mean it's boring or bad. No. Basil improves every meal it's a part of. <laughs> yes. How many uh, other how many other herbs got their own pesto? Riddle me that. <laughs> um, I have a vivid memory of, because I love that song, and I also love the OC. And... Um, I think it was season three. It was a plotline with this guy Johnny and Marissa. You know, Ryan and Marissa were on the rocks again, oh, and no. uh, Johnny was on. I think he's done it. He professes his love. I think it's in an episode in which he falls off a cliff. Can I ask? Was Johnny a bad boy? No. So oh. jo- she it was after she went to public school, and he was actually a really nice guy. Um, but anyway, that song was featured, but it wasn't. It was a James Blunt cover. Ah. Oh. And I remember being like, this is technically two things I love so much. And they've fucked it so hard. That That's it. Because Boy and Bear did a cover of this. Mm. And it's very true to the original. But it got number five in the Triple J Hottest 100 of like 2010. Oh, wow. And it was just like, I, I, I get it. It's a good song. But like, it's not as good as the original song. Yeah. But it's- that... It's testament of how good the song is that, yeah, even a, a less version is still going to rank in the top 10 songs of a year where yeah. I can't remember what one. I don't. I think mean, the, 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 you know, it credited James Blunt because of his warbly voice. At least he was doing something slightly different with it. It was oh. not, it didn't, you know, it didn't impact me the way that it would have if they'd had, if they'd had Cornelius singing. But, For um, those who listen, the song that won that year was uh, Big Jet Plane by Angus and Julia Stone. So it was that kind of year where, where, Mumford and Sons and stuff were, were rising to the top and people yeah. people liked music they could put on at a dinner party. I don't know that song, but I can imagine the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, not not a good song. Anyway, Crowded House, very good song. What's your yeah. favourite Crowded House song? That song. That song, oh. I, I um, like Pineapple Head. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of fun, but um, that's, that song is it's probably also, it was my gateway drug to Crowded House and it's like, yep. you know... I don't think I have it on a pedestal because of that. Like often the gateway drug, you'll. it's a song I probably in, intimately through life have listened to too much and then have to take time away from. And every time I pick it back up, I'm like, why did I believe you? Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't listened to it probably for three or four months. So that was a really nice moment. Thank you. There you Gish. go. I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't listen to the song beforehand. It was nice to see your reaction as soon as it played. All right, this song. Now, I mentioned I'm allowed to dislike one song per album. This is the song. <laughs> 
Don't poison my taste with it. He, uh, well, you'll hear it and it'll be enough. Do you like pan pipes? More than anything in the world. What about if they're synthesized? <laughs> this is the only way to improve them. <laughs> this is the Escape Club and their song, I'll Be There. That's all we need to hear Just from those guys. Listing geographical features. Yeah. Uh, so that is The Escape Club. Their, their other big hit was Wild Wild West. Do you know that song? I reckon We're you would. going straight to the Wild Wild West. Oh, wicka, wicka, wild, wild. You mean like the steampunk um, Will Smith vehicle? <laughs> the, the one that he did instead of doing The Matrix? No, not that one. Uh, I will, I'll Do you play... think that's what that slap was about? <laughs> he wanted to He's been carrying around that Matrix Wild Wild West thing for way too long uh, I'll, I'll play you Wild Wild West, their, their other hit You'll know this song New cherry ripe oh, inspired not this one. Oh, the cherry ripe flavoured jelly I'll Cocoa play it from YouTube and hey. up pieces. <laughs> There's an advertisement oh, for YouTube <laughs> Premium <laughs> for you <laughs> Here we go Do you know this song? Not yet. So that was their other song. That was their song three years before this one, and then they come up with this ballady bullshit. I uh, I didn't know. I don't know that. Is that an Australian band? Is no. That song about Perth. No, they're English. Oh wow, good yeah. for them. And so so this is from their album Dollars and Sex, and they okay. wrote this. They're having a lot of fun with words in 1991. <laughs> they, they really were. Divinals. So, yep. I uh, gr- pornography. Yeah, yeah, pornography. And then what was that one? Dollars and sex. Far out. Yep. Are you kidding me? So this was their third album, and the record company was like going, hey. Name your ne- comedy show next year after one of those three things challenge. <laughs> oh, Josh Earl is porno graffiti. I think I'd have to go dollars and sex. Well, I would be standing on a wall, like my hands in the air, like I'm turning around, and porno graffiti is graffitied over top of me. That's yeah. so good. I'd be um, holding like a wad of um, like cash 
Yeah. And I'd be, I'd be shirtless. But you could tell that I, but but I have my pelvis slightly in front of me, and it'll be out of frame. But it would yep. suggest that I was counting money while um while having sex. <laughs> Love it. And I tell you what, people would hate it. <laughs> yes, people would go for me. Hey, do some songs about cakes. All right, <laughs> <laughs> still going on about this cake thing. <laughs> All right, so third album. So ninety one, the record label were like, hey. The radio is only playing ballads at the I time. I think you should do a show called I'm Gonna Fuck This Cake. And the posters, it's you standing next to like a perfectly made children's cake. And the whole show, you're just building up to whether or not you're going to put your dick in the cake. <laughs> All right. If enough people retweet this episode... I'll do a one-off show at next year's comedy festival called Josh Earl Fucks a Cake. Oh, no, no. Oh. God, that's exciting to me. <laughs> Sorry, you All were right. saying you were saying something much more important. I was saying the the record label was saying, "Hey, you need you need a ballad." All the, all the songs on the radio at the time are ballads. All the rock bands are doing ballads. Okay, we've got Mr. Big, we've got Extreme with their ballads. We've got like even though Nirvana's coming in and going to wipe this all away before this, all ballads. So everyone's writing ballads. And this is what they said about this. So they said they wrote this song. They were in Los Angeles and a friend of theirs had just died. And so John, the guitar player, had come up with some chords, which he left one night where the rest of the band went out partying. So he wrote the lyrics and left them on the table. And then John remembers coming in that night, seeing them in a shaft of light. And then he said, this is a sign that we have to do this song. Okay, um, I mean, if it had been a good song, uh, maybe that would make sense. It's just like a v- very <laughs> shitty U two. Yeah, yeah. It's just so, it's so funny to me that that song and that sentiment is on an album called Dollars and C- Pick a yeah. Lane. <laughs> also, I do like the fact that a, a friend of ours had just died, so the band went out partying. You it's know like, how it is. Come on, you gotta. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they were. Out going, who, what bits from their material are you going to do at the wake? That's exactly <laughs> another thing about that. All right, we're up to the last song. So, that, that song, I'm, I'm not a fan of that song. That song uh, sucks. Can I just say, you know, uh, God forbid, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I think one of the things for which you'll be best remembered will probably be this cake show, <laughs> the one that we've just talked about. Yes, not any other previous cake shows. <laughs> Permission at your wake for me to perform the iconic closing bit from Joshua yes. Fucks a Cake. <laughs> you can, okay. I'll, I'll have to go and change my wheel now. <laughs> Put it in there. If Guy Montgomery wants any of my fortunes, which this show will go, it'll go to Broadway. I mean, you've already got ads from Cherry Ripe in there. It's, it's taken off pretty quickly. Chemist <laughs> Warehouse, they're on board. All right. This is our last song. Another Australian act. Uh, this is a band called Ghost Riders, and this song is called Someone's Singing New York, New York.
thoughts guy. What's not to like? It's really good. It isn't was it? um pretty welcome palate cleanse and like yes. sort of. I don't think, and I couldn't say this for every song. I don't think I'd notice either way if that was on. I think I would. It's it's uh, it's happily neutral to me. That yeah. was on. Like if I walked into a bar or a pub or whatever, and that song was playing, I wouldn't make a value judgment on the. You know, like yeah, it, it would have no bearing on my uh, experience. And that's uh, you know, that's it's not a compliment, but it sure as hell isn't an insult. Well, it doesn't sound like anything else on this uh, compilation either. And they always. Uh, with these compilations, which we'll discover coming up in the later episodes, they always do something a little bit different with the last song as well. The last song on disc one was uh, Grease Megamix. Mm. Then coming up, we go into... The they big... should have closed on Grease Megamix every single time. <laughs> well, they do twice. It comes up again <laughs> later, like in like volume seven or volume eight or something like that. But this one uh, is not... No... So normally it's a novelty kind of song. This one's not novelty. But it's kind of how the band came together. So it's uh, Minotaur's drummer Rob Hurst and Hoodoo Guru's bassist Richard Grossman. That's this is their kind of side project. It was called Ghost Riders, the band, because they liked the idea of when people like write anonymously, and so no one was credited uh, on the album, mm. not even them. And they just put, kind of put it out there to see how it would go because they're already in successful bands. They wanted to know if people would actually enjoy their stuff without the labels of Hoodoo Gurus or Midnight Oil. Uh, a bit like when um, Garth Brooks put out his Chris Gaines uh, side project. Do you know about this? No. So Chris Gaines uh, was the pseudonym of Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks wanted to do step away from country and go into rock territory. And yeah. so he created this whole persona called Chris Gaines, which he had like he wore a wig, uh, with dyed black fringe, that's and he cool. had a little flavor saver, like a little uh, um, beady bit. And created this story that uh, Chris Gaines was from Brisbane, Australia, and had a whole backstory and re- released it. And everyone was like, this is shit. And then he said, no, it's me, Garth Brooks. And went, oh, okay, it's still pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> Garth, it still sucks. Yeah, Stephen King also did this. Uh, Richard Backman was Stephen King's. Uh, he would write novels under Richard Backman as well, just to see if people liked it. I was trying to figure out an anagram for you in case you wanted to perform any um, ah, edgy comedy. And jar I, holes is an anagram of Josh Earl. I came up with Earl Josh. <laughs> yeah, it's the beauty of having two first names. <laughs> Better you than know this guy Montgomery. Montgomery guy. Yep. All right. So uh, I, I I really like this song. I think it sounds like it's it's very eighties Oz rock sound. Yeah, it's and nice. Yeah, and also I find it weird that Rob Hurst sings like Peter Garrett, who he was in a band with. Like, he sounds like it sounds like it's Midnight Oil. It sounds like Peter Garrett could easily be singing this song. If you were on a Midnight Oil album, you wouldn't go, "Oh, who's this singing?" You'd go, "Oh, it sounds like Peter Garrett again." But, but it's it not. It wouldn't be. But you'd be, but you'd be wrong. It's Rob Hurst, and a lot of people wouldn't know that, but Josh Earl would. And yep. I tell you what, he would humiliate you. <laughs> it's the kind of shit and- I know. Yeah, and then as he finished humiliating you, you'd say, Josh, why are you undoing your belt? And Josh would say, never you mind. And then someone would wheel out a choo-choo train cake from the Woman's Day cookbook. And he'd say, now watch me change your life. I'm going to fuck the duck cake right in its <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, You'd that- hope it doesn't have a salt and vinegar yeah. beak. 
It's going to be cheese and onion after I get through with it. All right. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, so, if we've done nothing. Podcast. I'm <laughs> so sorry. We've done nothing. We've got that out of it. Okay. So, the end of the show. Guy, I think we know what, what song is your favourite song off, the, off this album. Absolutely. Fall at Your Feet goes by uh, Hunters and Collectors? No. Yeah. Fuck Crowded House? <laughs> no, it's the, it's the Hunters and Collectors unreleased cover of Fall at Your Feet. Uh, yeah, it's Crowded House. I was trying to desperately think of a different artist name and song to do as a gag, but I couldn't. And the truth is, everyone knew it from the moment it was played. It's got to be Crowded House, Fall at Your Feet. I mean, it's a totally different... It, it's, it's a different... You know, it's crazy these are all defined as music because it's just yeah. represents a totally different experience. Second would be Gangsta. Um, and yeah. then and then daylight and then the rest. I I would go um, Crowder House, Divinals, Gangstar, Divinals, Gangstar. Either way, I like them both. And then mm. Ghost Riders, but then the rest is like, yep. Yeah. Although you know what, Amy Grant, it's a good pop song. It's a, yeah. it's a, every heartbeat sounds. It sounds exactly like she wants it to sound. It's good. Hey guy, thanks for doing this. Uh, you've got podcasts that you can tell people about. I do. I have a um, podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time. And at the moment, we are, um, we're not watching a movie currently. We've released a mini project called Killionaire. And this is a premise we created uh, where it's a fundraising podcast where we're trying to raise uh, money for some of the world's biggest billionaires to get them over the trillion-dollar threshold. And then uh, once they have a trillion dollars, we believe we have a moral obligation to execute them. <laughs> and... Uh, Basically, we've got we've we've gotten turned to a lot of users, and they've we've recorded episodes with them, so they've submitted their ideas, and each episode is two listeners, and we we weigh up the ideas and we explore them, and then we choose a winner who will go through to uh, a public vote, and then when we get the two the two most popular ideas, we'll put them against each other in a, a finale episode. So that's what we're doing over at Worst Idea of All Time at the moment. Otherwise, you can follow me on social media at guy underscore mont. See what 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 I want for that podcast is that Jeffrey Bezos listens to it. Donates money to kill Elon Musk. Yeah, and then he sweeps in and takes up all his business. I think they just don't have it in them to part with their money. I don't think, even if it was in his ultimately long-term best interest, I don't think Jeff Bezos could donate to Elon. They're such nerds. Hey, thank you for this. This has been lots of fun. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, I'll see you next time. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.